Welcome, everyone, to Asian Pacific Voices Radio, where you'll find stimulating conversations and discussions that explore diverse topics and stories affecting our communities. I'm your host, Sasha Fu. He's considered one of the finest gymnasts in all of the United States. His name is Yul Muldaur, and he is our guest today. He's an athlete who's been racking up a lot of honors, top honors, in the field of gymnastics. Yul is a three-time American Cup champion, the 2017 U.S. National All-Around Champion. He is an Olympic competitor. He was a member of the U.S. Men's Gymnastics Team in the 2020 Games in Tokyo. Yul is Korean-born. He came to the U.S. As a very, at a very early age as an adoptee. And we're so excited to hear about his life and his career. Welcome, Yul, to Asian Pacific Voices Radio. Hey, Sasha, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Um, I really do appreciate this opportunity. We'd like to know a little bit more about, a lot more actually, about your life and your career. As I said, how did you get the name Yule? That's a very unusual name. And can you tell us a little bit about how old you were when you were adopted and where did you grow up? Yeah, so I mean, going all the way back to when I was a baby, I was adopted around, you know, 10 months old when I came to the U.S. Um, I flew in, um, got into Colorado, grew up on a ranch in Wellington, Colorado, and grew up on a farm. And by the age of 10, I kind of moved to Denver uh, for my gymnastics career. But um, my mom always said she gave me the name Yule because it means, um, you know, rising sun. And um, to get that name, you know, it's kind of unique for me. Um, you know, I don't meet a lot of Yules or different Yules. So to me, I, I really do enjoy my name because I think it's uh, special for me. How did you get the gymnastics bug? It's actually pretty crazy. Um, you know, I was homeschooled as a kid. And um, one day I was with my friend and my mom actually couldn't pick me up yet. And my dad was at work. And the parent of my friend, um, she said, you know, why don't you come to the gym? Um, you know, your mom can get you there. And when I got to the gym, the coach actually came up and was like, hey, you know, why don't you just come and do a free trial? Uh, we'll let you, you know, have fun with the guys. And after the gymnastics class, you know, when my parents came and picked me up, you know, they went up to them and was like, hey, you know, we'd like your son to stay in the sport. You know, it seems like, you know, if you wanted to, we could compete in a few years. And that's how I got into gymnastics. How old again were you when you started training? I was seven. So I was actually a late, you know, gymnast. Um, you know, when you're a gymnast, you usually want to start when you're like four, five, maybe three sometimes. Uh, so I was actually in the gym pretty late. You know, we've heard a lot about the paths of young athletes and not just in gymnastics, but in a lot of different sports and the sacrifices they have to make. They don't get to participate in the same after school activities or not hanging out with their friends on the weekends. What was this like when you decided at a fairly early age to dedicate yourself to training? Um, what did you give up as a teenager? Oh man. Uh, the list is so long. Um, you know, I gave up school dances, um, Again, hanging out with just school students outside of the gym, um, you know, hours uh, to myself. You know, gymnastics is one of those sports that you don't have an off season. Um, you want to go into the gym at least six out of the seven days of the week. And it's really time consuming. But um, I mean, there's a lot of things you could probably think about, just like 
swimming parties or birthday parties or you know getting to do those extra vacations or go camping or fishing so all that was kind of taken out of the picture because you you actually do have to be very dedicated in gymnastics did you ever have moments when you were growing up and also going to the gym six days a week and, you know, foregoing time with your friends and the pizza parties and swim parties think, I don't know if this is worth it. Did you ever, ever have those moments? You know, yes and no. I definitely had moments where I was like, oh man, I wish I could do this. But at the end of the day, I knew what I wanted to accomplish. And I knew that going into gymnastics, it was like, it was fun for me. It was like going outside and playing. It was like going out and hanging out with friends because I did have friends on the team. Um, so for me, the gym was actually like a meditation. It was like my free space. It was like where I got to go and, you know, just focus on myself and try and reach something that I want to obtain. It's actually a, a means of self-expression. And just like an artist, you're not a painter or a sculptor, but you're creating art um, of a sort with your athletic talent. Mm -hmm, exactly. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. There are definitely times where, you know, I wish I could have hung out with some friends or, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, being in a sport just in general, it kept me, you know, out of trouble. You know, my parents knew where I was after school. Um, it kept me, you know, motivated it kept me um kind of on a task to make sure i get my schoolwork done so all these things kind of came with being in a sport so i think it actually helped me grow up faster in speaking about your years growing up in colorado did you encounter much racism or bias against you because you were asian either at school or in the gym you know it's it's hard to say because you know, I can't pick out every single moment, but there are definitely times where there were comments made um, about who I was or about what sport I played. Um, you know, I actually do remember this one time I was probably like six or seven and I'm just like running down the strip mall because it's Black Friday and I'm trying to go run and meet up with my parents. And, you know, these three older kids stopped me and, you know, had an Asian accent and just started saying, oh, the electronic stores that way and at the time I just stopped and looked and listened and I had no idea what that meant but now looking back on it you know I know what that was so I definitely did encounter some things but I just never knew at that age what it really meant. Well we talk a lot about diversity and representation on this podcast so I wanted to ask you also do you think there could be more diversity in your sport uh, not only among the athletes but also perhaps in the coaching ranks um to be honest i feel like gymnastics in general is pretty pretty diverse you know i remember being on the u.s national team and we had asian americans african americans um you know uh spanish people indian people so it's actually been some of the most diverse teams that i've ever seen compared to other sports um, what's nice about gymnastics is, you know, usually if you're Asian, you kind of have the body type that you need, you know, light, short, um, being strong. So actually gymnastics, you'll see a lot more Asians in it than most other sports. There's eight competitive events. Is that right? Or is it six? Six. 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 What's your favorite? Um, for me, it's, it, that's a really hard question. Um, <laughs> you know, I guess I do like the floor the best just because 
I I don't know. It's it's super fun to tumble and be in there and twist. But in general, I think every event kind of brings a different mindset or strengths that you need. So for instance, when you go onto the floor exercise, you just want to tumble hard and go high and stick to landing. And when you get to horse, palm horse, it's all mental. It's almost like our beam for men's gymnastics. It's, you know, any little wobble or off movement, you know, you're coming off the equipment. Rings is all about showing off your strengths position. And it's really not that, that ner nerve wracking. You can just go up there and, and hold your strength positions. Vault, you know, you run so fast and you hit the board and you kind of don't know what happened. You kind of just, you know, run, punch, do your twisting and hopefully, you know, you land on your feet. P-bars, it's all technique. Um, it's all, you know, arm work and swing work. And then high bar, it kind of brings both technique and that fear factor. You know, if you are a split second off or a split millimeter off on your tap, you know, you're going to be coming off the bar. So I think every event kind of brings its own aspect to gymnastics. As an athlete right now, you're at the top of your sport, you're in your prime. What does it take in terms of both training and mental conditioning to stay at that peak level? Um, just to remind yourself, you know, why you started the sport. Um, also remember, you know, what you've accomplished and what you want to accomplish. You know, I think there are definitely days when it's super hard on the mind, but I think you have to really take that on and understand that everything that you want to achieve is going to come with a price and that actually is a topic of why i put embrace the grind on some of the apparel that i sell because i want people to understand that nothing is going to be easy you have to go through the downs to get to the ups and that's kind of just the mindset that i have in my sport that i'm gonna bleed i'm gonna struggle i want to there are gonna be days where i want to quit but this is what it takes to get to the next level so the winning also requires an element of struggle can you show us your t-shirt that's some of the merchandise that you're selling on your website and it kind of embodies what you stand for as an athlete yeah so i'm actually this is this right here is the first shirt that i came out with can you stand um, up it so says believe and so can we see the shirt Yeah, here let me pull this back yeah, here, I'll try. So here's the front. It's just got believe on the front in Korean. And then on the back, can you see that? Uh-huh, embrace the grind. That's your motto. That's Embrace your the grind. That's my motto. And actually, I have a cool portrait of the... This is my second shirt, and this is what goes down the back on the spine. Oh, that's nice. I like that design. Did you help have help with Thank that, you. or did you design it yourself? Um, I designed it myself. Um, I told them that I wanted to show who I am kind of in a t-shirt and I wanted to bring the South Korean aspect because I'm a South Korean adoptee. And then I also wanted, you know, to bring that motivation to remind yourself to really embrace the grind and, and keep pushing and try and accomplish your goals and really push for what you want to, you know, obtain in life. Yeah, it's a good motto, which applies to any number of endeavors, not just sports or gymnastics. It could be whatever you set your sights on. Um, exactly, have, yeah. Um, so you're incorporating the Korean characters. Have you had much of an opportunity to kind of try to connect or reconnect with your Korean roots? 
So, um, you know, my birth parents, um, we've tried to get in contact with them a few times, but it's really hard to, um, just with the adoption agency and how they respond and, um, everything. But what's really cool is I've gotten to meet the South Korean team. Um, I've gotten to meet their coaches. Um, and one day I wish to go visit Seoul on a vacation to kind of just see where I come from. But, um, you know, it, what's really cool about the South Korean team is, you know, we're all friends on social media now. And, you know, instead of going to Google Translate, um, I actually asked them to help me um, get the correct symbols on the T-shirt. Oh, that's great. Excellent. So there's sort of a, a mutual aid society that, that, you know, you're helping them, they're helping you. That's that's awesome. You know, they say sports should be an international community. Do you find that that is kind of um, a way for people to break down cultural barriers through sport? Oh, yes. I, you know, I've gotten to go to so many countries and see so many different types of cultures. And, um, you know, when I come back from a trip, I always tell people, you know, if you have the chance, get out of the country, go see the world, go, you know, embrace this other culture, um, go see it for yourself. Because when you're there, you know, in Germany or in France or in um, Doha or Mexico or Canada, you know, all these other places, you know, they all have their unique culture, you know, their foods, um, the way they respect each other, um, just kind of the overall aspect of their country. They really show, you know, their true cultures. And I think it's so eye-opening. And I think if more people did that, they would understand, you know, people one-to-one -one better than just looking at them and, and maybe judging them because of what they look like. Yeah. Well said. It's really very uh, interesting that you've been to all these places around the world. You're only 26 years old. You'll, I mean, you've had this opportunity to go to, you know, um, other parts of North America, Europe, Asia, Middle East. That's extraordinary. An extraordinary opportunity. Oh, no, I'm super super grateful um you know i'm beyond blessed and it's it's something that i have to like really take deeply and, and understand that i do have to be grateful for getting these opportunities i want to talk a little bit about the status of student athletes the ncaa recently had a rule change that allows student athletes to uh engage in licensing and marketing deals to sell their likeness or their name to promote products or services um, some athletes are already taking advantage of that and making money off of that. What do you think of that? Is that a, is that something that's good in your opinion, or do you feel that that, um, sort of takes away some of the amateur status of the, some of the purity of the sport as amateurs? You know, it's, it's, it's hard to say yes or no on it. Um, my opinion, um, you know, I think it's great in some aspects, but I also do think it is hurting the amateur side. Um, you know, it happened right after I graduated, so I never got the opportunity to really see what it's all about. But just from hearing from other athletes and seeing the deals that other athletes are getting, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy for them. Um, I'm glad that they're making money for who they are and what they can promote themselves as. But I also do think it's going to affect 
sports in the long run? You know, is it going to be based off of talent and hard work and what you can provide for for the team? Or is it going to turn into how well do you look on camera? And I think, yeah, it's it's such a hard topic to judge because to be honest, I'm in a sport that doesn't get a lot of attention. So to see, you know, my friends and teammates get, you know, these deals, I'm super happy for them. But then at the other side, you know, it's like, how much can they really accept until this is going to hurt what it means to really play on a team instead of, you know, look good in a commercial and a school once you're there because they know that they can use you to get them the most deals. Do you think it is bad for team unity? For instance, there may be one member of your team who's getting a lot of followers on social media because I don't know what they're posting or the way they look and that does that give way to some sort of resentment, jealousy, envy among the other folks on the team who aren't really engaging in that much social media exposure or aren't getting the same number of followers? Yeah. And I think it, it, you know, it definitely will bring up jealousy. It'll definitely bring up insecurities, but you know, every individual is so different. You know, I meet people that love social media, right. And then I may meet people that never log into it, delete the app. So it's it's hard to say because, you know, I want all these individuals to keep being themselves, but I feel like our world is turning into a day and age where you have to be on social media 24-7. And I think in the long run, that's going to hurt us. Um, you know, I haven't done a lot of research, but, you know, we have more depression cases now. You know, people have more anxiety. So you know, I could definitely see if I'm on a team and let's say I'm an average user on social media and then someone else is on um, social media and they're distracting us from practice, they're missing practices for commercials or deals. You know, that really does hurt the team aspect. And I think all these student athletes need to remember of why they work so hard to get a scholarship, not for the attention, but to be part of a team and build a circle where you can use it to connect to others in the future, go to weddings, build friendships. So I think as long as people just stay in their lane and, and remember why they became a student athlete and not focus on what they can get out of a student athlete, then we'll be okay. But, you know, it's so early right now that no one has any idea which direction this could go. But, you know, there are good sides and there are bad sides of it. Yeah, I could see both sides as well. I think that, as you said, it could prove to be a distraction, especially if you're trying to build cohesion as a team. Now, I know that in addition to training yourself, that you also act as a coach and mentor to younger folks who are trying to learn the sport. What do you, what kind of satisfaction do you get from coaching younger gymnasts and what kind of advice do you give them? Um, you know, I, I always, you know, tell them to be patient. Um, that's my number one rule is be patient. Not everything is going to be given or earned right away. You know, some people might have it sooner. Some might, people might get it later. But at the end of the day, you know, my favorite quote that Kevin Hart told me or not told me, but I heard on a uh, Instagram video was like, this is your, your book. You know, you're the author of your own story. You know, no book is exactly like, and I kind of took that in as, you know, that's so right. 
And, you know, younger kids can get frustrated because, you know, a kid can get a skill faster than the other. And I always just tell them, you know, be patient. Your time will come. Just do the work. Just keep working hard and you'll get there. And I love coaching. You know, um, I actually get more nervous watching the kids I coach compete than I do myself. Um, it's just that I see them in the gym. They work so hard. They have such a good head on their shoulders. And, you know, all I want is success for them. And, you know, my favorite group to work with is actually the 17 to 18 year olds that are about to head to college. Um, that's my favorite kind of age group to work with because I want them to be prepared for college. I want them to have the right mindset. And I kind of just tell them, you know, my journey and what I went through um, so they can kind of get the insights of what to expect and what they need to work on and how they need to present themselves in order to succeed through college. Is there a high washout rate among, I mean, you're 17, 18 years old, you go to college, you realize all the stuff that you're giving up because you're spending so much time in the gym. Is there, there are there a fair amount of athletes who say, I just, I just can't do it. I just, there's too much I'm giving up right now. Um, actually college, you don't see a lot of dropouts. It's more in the ranges from like 12 to 18, like the push right before college. That's like the hardest time period for any gymnast, because that's when you're starting to mature. That's when you're starting to, you know, go through middle school and high school. And that's when you're getting pulled different directions to go hang out with people or go to events or go to these birthday parties or go to these dances. So it can mentally, you know, drain, you know, your, your mental state and you want to go out and explore all these different things. But, um, you know, there is a real balance between gymnastics. You know, I, I know we've been saying it's gym, 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 gym all the time, but there are ways to, you know, mentally prepare yourself and get out of the gym uh, just so you can keep on going. Well, that's a good question. That's a good lead into my next question, which is when you're preparing for an important meet or competition, what do you, for instance, eat or what do you do mentally or what activities do you engage in before you get into that meet to just sort of psych yourself up for that? Yeah, so to be honest, I try and just keep everything the same all year long. Um, you know, I, I am on a uh, meal plan with my coaches that we've worked with. And so that's kind of like my nutrition. But on Saturday evening, I'm allowed to go out and eat anything I want. Um, that's kind of like kind of like my cheat day. Um, but. Oh, yeah. You know, maybe I'll have like a Dr. Pepper or something. Um, so. So that's kind of like my meal structure. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's not hard for me to be on a diet because I know in the long run, this is going to help me perform and feel better, which I do feel perhaps if I go out and eat out three times a week or eat chips for a snack. So for me, I can feel the difference and I've just gotten used to it that it's kind of a normal for me. Um, outside of the gym, oh, sorry. Now outside the gym, I always, you know, tell everyone when you're inside the gym, be in the gym, you know, focus on your sport or whatever you're doing inside the gym to perform well and not get injured. When you're outside of the gym, you know, you know, I always do this when I get my car, I take like 15 minutes where I just like breathe. 
I think about how practice went, whether it was good or bad. And then once I drive home, I do not think about gym. I do not think about what I did wrong. I literally just reset. You know, this was today and I accept it and I move on to the next. You know, I always tell athletes, never take what you did in the gym home all night long. That will just make you feel pressured. It'll make you feel stuck. You know, you need that fresh air when you step outside, you know, go breathe. Um, but I also go out and golf a lot. I go go-karting for fun. Um, you know, every Tuesday night, we have Top Golf Tuesdays with my friends because it's half off. So that's kind of like my social part. And then, you know, on the weekends, you know, I'm actually trying to be, you know, I, I, I'm trying, you know, it, it's really fun for me. It's very peaceful. You know, it's a very good mind game for me. It's not physical. So it's, it's very similar, but very different to gymnastics in a way. The next big competition ahead for you is the 2024 Olympics next year in Paris. Um, what are your personal goals with regards to the 24 Olympics? So my personal goals is to come home with a team medal. Um, I always tell everyone it's very nice standing up on a podium with you know your best friends and your teammates rather than getting something by yourself. But I also do have personal goals to making it in the floor finals, the P-bar finals, the all-around finals, and the pommel finals. And then another goal is, you know, bring back another individual medal. But the main goal is the team medal. I think that's just the best one that you can ever have. And instead of remembering it by yourself, you'll be able to remember it with five other team members. Yeah, that's great. I love that. I love that sentiment. If and when you decide you want to move on from gymnastics, I know you're 26 years old. So what do you think you might want to do in the future? So I, I have a lot of different um, opportunities. I think, um, you know, three of my best friends from college and my previous teammates, they're all down in Texas working um, for medical sales. And I've gotten to meet the boss and he's told me, you know, if you ever want to try sales out, please come down here. So that's kind of like a backup plan. Um, I've actually really thought about becoming a life coach. Um, just after all the coaching I've done, I, I, you know, not just gymnastics specifically, but I'm thinking about maybe opening up some kind of fitness center um, because I want to help people accomplish what they want to accomplish with their body. I think that's a really cool aspect to bring. And I think fitness is a really f smart industry to be in because fitness will always be relevant to people. And I've also thought about maybe moving to uh, California, maybe. And um, there was a photo shoot I actually did down there and they said, you know, you should move to LA and do some photo shoots, some commercial shoots. So maybe I do that for a year or two and then move on. So there are a lot of things that are going on that I got to, make my mind up, but it's nice to know I have options. Well, I personally think you'd be an excellent life coach. You've already said a couple of things in this podcast, which made me think, oh, that's good. That's good advice for people just in general, in terms of following a path in their life or reaching for new goals or um, maintaining their optimism and determination in spite of challenges. Good advice, Yule. So I think that's something that you might want to check out.
Finally, we want to wrap up here. How can people follow you in your career? Um, can you give us some of your social media handles or, or ways that we can get in touch with you or follow you? Yeah, of course. Um, if you just type in my name, uh, Ewell Moldauer, Y-U-L-M-O-L-D-A-U-E-R, on either Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, I think those are the, all the main ones. If you just search me up, um, I'll be on there. And uh, if you have any questions, just uh, send me a DM. Thanks, Yule, for joining us today. We hope to see you competing next year at the Olympics. We would love to also hear from you, our listeners, about any suggestions for guests or topics in the future. Also, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, as well as follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our YouTube channel. Asian Pacific Voices Radio is produced by Asian Culture and Media Alliance, a nonprofit that empowers our Asian and Pacific Islander communities through the media arts. If you would like to support our program, please visit us at AsianPacificVoices.com. I'm Sasha Fu, and thank you so much for listening. Please join us next week for another exciting and thought-provoking Asian Pacific Voices radio show. Until then, take care.